0: you pray with me this morning god thank you for the power of the holy spirit that works in our lives thank you holy spirit that you're here right now to open our minds to give us greater understanding in the scriptures Uh, lead us right now lord and and help us to understand how to apply the teaching of the scripture in jesus name amen all right take out your bibles this morning if you have one and turn into the gospel of john chapter 14 we're in a series called the life it's a study in the gospel of john if you find the new testament you're really close it's the fourth book matthew mark luke and then john and we're sort of doing a little mini series within this larger series in the book of john on prayer last week pastor neil kicked it off in john 17 uh, teaching on on jesus high priestly prayer and he brought out some great points but we're going to continue for a couple of weeks talking about prayer in john's gospel and in the letters of john and what how can we pray more effectively along those lines So we're going to jump into john chapter 14 in just a second when when i was growing up my, my family didn't have a lot of money but but there were times if i needed some school clothes or if i needed probably more likely some basketball gear my dad would just he'd just give me his credit card and, he, and he'd say, just go get a, go shopping yourself and get them. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Just go and buy whatever I want. It's like, I, I had no concept of debt or anything like that. It's just like, whatever, I guess somebody pays for this and we, I just get whatever I want. And so my, my concept of, of that was just, hey, just go for it, it's for free. And, and how many of you know that, that when Jesus teaches on prayer, he says that we are to pray in Jesus' name. How many of you have heard that before? We're supposed to pray, you've maybe heard people praying and they end the prayer with, "in G- why do we do that? What, what, what's the point of that? I used to think that it was like a credit card, that I could just pray and pray and pray, anything I wanted, whatever, whatever, just stack up the goods and then, oh yeah, Lord, here it is, baby, come on, in the name of Jesus and, and my credit card is good because it's, it's in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Or or if I, if I said it loudly or with a lot of passion, like in the name of Jesus, like that would get God his attention and then he'd answer that prayer. But is that, is that really what it means to pray in the name of Jesus? Jesus says something really profound in the Gospel of John. He said if we pray in his name, he'll answer that prayer. Like whatever we ask in Jesus' name, he said he'll, he'll give it to us well what what does that mean is that is that just the credit card thing where we can just anything we want we can pray for it it doesn't mean that it's not it's not the credit card thing but if Jesus said that if he said praying in my name results in more effective prayer shouldn't we understand what it means to pray in Jesus name shouldn't we kind of get a biblical understanding of what Jesus meant when he said that so in John chapter 14 We're going to look in verses 13 and 14, and then we're going to skip into 15 and 16 in just a second. But verses 13 and 14 says, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, say in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, say in my name. I will do it. Turn over to chapter 15, verse 16. Chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And i appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name say in my name there it is again keeps coming up jesus saying ask in my name um, that the father he may he may give it to you then then jump into chapter 16 verses 23 and 24. in that day you will not question me about anything truly truly i say to you if you ask the father for anything in my name say in my name there it is again yeah He will give it to you until now. You have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. I want to know what it means to pray in the name of Jesus because I want my prayers answered. I want to know what what did Jesus mean when he said that? Uh, so that i can receive the things that i'm that i'm praying i want to i want to share three thoughts with you this morning about what it means to pray in the name of jesus And, and the first thing is this to pray in the name of jesus means to pray in the authority of jesus to pray in the authority of jesus now a person's authority has to do with their title or their position in an organization or in a family or in a company or in some group of people So the the president of the United States has more authority than the vice president of the United States. Um, A a principal in a school has more authority than a teacher in a school. A mother in a family has more authority than the child in the family. So there are are lines of authority based on position and title in a family or an organization. So what is Jesus' position? What is Jesus' title? What, What is his level of authority? So if we go to Revelation chapter 19, this is a text that describes Jesus when he comes back to the earth from heaven with his church to establish his kingdom for a thousand years on, on the earth, here's what, how he's described. From, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, that, that's symbolic of God's word, so that with it he may strike down the nations or judge the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, a name or title that's written. This is is who he is, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the title, that's the name of of Jesus. He's the the king above every human king. That's his level of authority. He's the Lord of Lords. He's, He's the highest level of leadership among all human leaders. King of kings and Lord of lords. We go to Philippians chapter 2, it says, Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore because of Christ's obedience to the call of God, God elevated or exalted or lifted him to the place of highest honor, say highest honor, place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Not only King of kings and Lord of lords, but he's been given a title or a name above every other name in the universe. Highest place of authority and power and sovereignty is given to Christ. When when we say he has the name above every name, that, that means that his position, his title is higher than any other position or title. And then we go to uh, Ephesians chapter one. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart or your understanding would be enlightened or increased in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power. There's no comparison. Christ's power is beyond anyone's power. It, it, it's not even comparable for us who believe. That, that power is the same mighty strength He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, the the right hand of a king was the place of ultimate power and authority, that's where Jesus sits. Now, listen, he describes that being far above all rule and authority, that's that's human rulership and and authority and demonic rulership and authority. Human kings and demonic rulers Uh, above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is named or invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. He's been exalted to the highest place of authority. Now, here's what's cool that maybe you don't know. The New Testament says that that you as, as Christ's followers, you as the church, you are actually seated next to him in that place of authority. You are actually seated with Jesus in those heavenly places. Ephesians chapter two, verse six. For God has raised us from the dead along with Christ and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms all because we are one with Jesus Christ. So in a sense we, we share this, this place of authority with Jesus. We are, we are seated with him. It's not our authority, it's Christ's authority. It's not our position. It's Christ's position but by his grace if you are in Christ you are raised to be seated with jesus above all rule and authority power and dominion above satan's powers demonic powers you sit in a place of authority so what does that mean it means a couple of things it means when you go to prayer you you begin prayer from a place of authority authority over satan and his works in the world authority over addiction and bondage and all of you you begin your prayer seated with jesus having power and authority over that through Christ, not through yourself, but through Jesus. So you're seated with him. The second thing is because you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians chapter one says that we've been given all of the the spiritual blessings in Christ, We, we have access to the blessings of God that we wouldn't have had access to if we weren't seated with Jesus in that place. But because we've been lifted to Christ, we have access to God's blessings based on the position of Jesus. So a few years ago, I was given the privilege of going back to Washington DC and opening up the the Senate session in prayer. It's called the the Chaplain for a a Day. And so I got to spend some time with Chaplain Barry Black and I got to spend some time with Senator Thune. And so they, 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 you know, I was with, The chaplain for a portion of the day and with the senator for a portion of the day and as they as they walked me through the capitol or or capitol building or the senate building um they'd go by guards and stuff and and uh they they would just let us in because they they knew chaplain black had you know that security clearance they knew who he was they knew senator thune had access to that building and i just kind of walked with them and they'd go you he's with me he's with me so i shared their authority i I got into places y'all never get into because I was with a senator or I was with the chaplain. And you know when you go to prayer, you know what Jesus says to the Father? She's, she's with me, he, he's with me. He, he has access to, to the, the, the wealth of heaven, the blessings of heaven. Not because of our authority in our name, but because of Jesus' name and we sit with him. When I was a senior in high school, uh, after basketball season I needed to get a job and so I wanted to get a job at a grocery store. And I had a cousin, a cousin by marriage, who was a store manager of an alpha beta market in Southern California. But he, he was the manager of a store in Pasadena, which was too far from where I lived to make that drive all the time. So I called him and I said, hey, hey Joe, could, could you get me a job at, at a store? And he said, yeah, where, where do you wanna go? And I said, well, the closest store to me is in Roland Heights. And he said, sure. So he said, come on by the store and I'll get you an application. So I went by the store, my cousin Joe gave me a blank application for, for, to be a box boy and, and, and it had his card stapled to it, jo- Joe Rudman, store manager. And he said, I'll, I'll call Gary over at Roland Heights, just, just stop in there and drop off the application. So I walked in there like a big deal. And I, 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 I said, here you go, Gary, Gary, here you go. This is Joe's card, hired me on the spot. Why, because I'm a good kid? No, I was a pretty good kid, but no because i'm related to joe rudman and joe rudman because of him i got access to this position and we share that authority with jesus when we come to the place of prayer well not only praying in the name of jesus is praying in the authority of jesus but it's also praying for the glory of jesus if you're going to pray in the name of jesus that means you're going to pray for for his glory so john chapter 14 Verses 13 and 14, Jesus said this, remember, you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. Boom, let's stop there, right? Eh, no, it doesn't stop there. Then he says, so that the Son, Jesus, can bring glory to the Father. And then he says again, "Outright, yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. But what's the qualifier in between those two things? This prayer needs to be for the glory of God. In other words, this isn't for what I want, but this is what's going to bring glory and honor. To Christ, the the word glorify means to praise, it means to honor, it means to exalt, it means to esteem highly, it means to to place value upon, it means to worship. So when we talk about glorifying God, we're talking about doing things that honor Him, that bring glory to Him, that bring praise to His name. So our prayer needs to be run through the filter of will, will the answer to this prayer bring honor and glory? to God so so remember Jesus is Jesus is praying this prayer or or, or teaching in in John 14 the very night that he was going to go to the garden of Gethsemane and pray about the cross the night before the cross Jesus teaches this and then he lives it so Jesus goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying and he says father remember that prayer father if there's any way that I don't have to go to the cross if there's any way this cup of suffering can pass from me please let it pass in his humanness he didn't want to face the physical and emotional suffering that he would face at the cross he said you know what what father this would be really convenient for me to not go to the cross i, I would prefer to not go to the cross i would prefer to have the easy way i, I would prefer to, to, to not have to suffer and then he said this nevertheless not what i want but what you want nevertheless father not not my will in this situation but your will be done not not for my glory not for my convenience but for your glory and so in that place of prayer Jesus prayed that God would be glorified through what through what he did And, and I wonder how many how many of us live that kind of life that Jesus did you know everything that Jesus did was for the glory of the Father Everything he did was to honor and and bring glory to him. So we look in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus had just healed a paralyzed man. And it says when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and and they began to what? Glorify God who had given such authority to men. Jesus would heal people and it would result in people praising God, people worshiping God, people exalting God saying, wow, God is great. And that was Jesus' whole mission was to bring honor and glory to God. And so we, we, in this next verse in Ephesians chapter three, now now to him, to God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him, to God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever. Amen and amen. So the whole purpose of God moving in our lives is, is that he would receive glory. And so the filter that you run your prayer through in the name of Jesus is, is this for the glory of Jesus? Is this for me or is this for God? Jesus prayed in the garden, Lord, I would love to have this. But I'm gonna lay that aside and and I'm gonna pray for your glory. Like like when you're being interviewed for for jobs and and you you, you get an interview, you go home and you pray, God, please give me that job. Oh, please, 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 please. I I want that job really badly. Or is it more like, Lord, I would really like that. I I think I'm a good fit. I think I like the salary, I like everything about that job. But God, what job could I take that would bring you the greatest glory? What, what, what could I do that would honor you? If, if this isn't the job, then I don't want it because I want a job where I can glorify you and honor you the best. When you pray that kind of prayer, Jesus answers that kind of prayer because it's prayer for the glory of God. So I've told this, this story before, but, but 15 years ago, um, I was coaching high school basketball and teaching Bible at a Christian high school in California. And uh, I I had inherited a a really crummy program. It was in bad shape. So the the first year we we won four games and we lost 22. The the next year we won five games and lost 21. Then the third year we won 13 games and only lost 12. And then the fourth year we won 18 games and only lost nine. And I mean, the, the program had really turned around. And so my fifth year would have been a year with 13 seniors coming back. Like the whole team that year was juniors. So can, can you imagine, you, you did really good, 18 and nine, and now you've got 13 seniors. I had no underclassmen coming back. This is like basketball revival. This is like what every coach looks forward to. You put in the hard years so you get to this glory year where you're just gonna walk all over everybody. And so, so after that season, after my fourth season, I had become acquainted with a, a local church pastor and he called me on the phone he said, hey Jeff, I would love for you to come and be my associate pastor. I said, no, 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 no. This is year five. This is glory year. He goes, well, I, I get that. He said, but would you, would you pray about it? No, no, <laughs> no. God might make me do that. God might say he wanted me to do that. I don't wanna do that. Like I wanna stay with these guys. So uh, I prayed about it and I, I felt like God said, you need to go back to the church. I've called you to church ministry like oh my gosh okay so i went back to the school and i talked to the principal and i said hey could you make an exception for one year could i be an off-campus coach could i could i work at the church but coach these guys one more year 13 seniors come on man you got this he said no (laughs) i I don't want an off-campus coach i I want someone that's teaching the the kids and is on campus and has access and those kinds of things parents were furious kids were furious players were furious i was frustrated wife was furious. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, we come to these places in life where it's like, God, that is so much what I want. But what do you want? And, and in my life, in the last 15 years, there's, there's been greater fruitfulness and I think glory for God than coaching basketball for me. Now, if you're a coach and that's your calling, that's awesome. God is glorified through what you do. But I was called back to church ministry, and that's where God could receive the greatest glory. Sometimes we we have to lay that aside, our own desires. What what is that in your life today where you say, God, for your glory, God, for your honor, what what do you want me to do that that would bring the greatest praise and glory to your name? So praying in the name of Jesus is not just praying from a position of authority with Jesus, it's not just praying for the glory of Jesus, but it's praying something that's consistent with the nature of Jesus. Praying a prayer that's consistent with the nature of Jesus. And so what I wanna do now is I wanna give you, I wanna give you three names or titles of God. When I say the, the, the nature, I'm talking about who Jesus is, prayers that are consistent with who Christ is. This isn't an exhaustive list, but it's, it's a short list, but it's a meaningful list. And so the first name of Christ is Savior. You see that throughout the New Testament, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus is a Savior. So, so praying that prayer, we have to ask the question as we pray, will this prayer lead to salvation? If I'm praying in Christ's name and if his name is Savior, Am I praying in in such a way that this is going to lead to salvation? This is going to lead to people coming to know Christ. Because when Jesus came to the earth, that was his mission. His mission was to seek and to save lost people. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So if if you are, are joining Christ in his mission, what Jesus is doing right now is he's pursuing lost sheep he's pursuing people that don't know him so if you have people in your relational world we call that your oikos if there are people in your oikos that don't know Jesus and you are praying for their salvation that's a prayer God answers because you're praying in line with his nature you're praying in line with his name you're praying in line with his mission that's the reason for which Jesus came was to seek and save the lost if you're praying for global missions, if you're praying that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth, if you're praying that people from every nation, tribe and tongue would be saved, that's a prayer God answers because you're praying consistent with His name. He's Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're praying for missionary endeavors, if you have people that are serving in other countries and trying to bring the gospel, that's a prayer that God answers because it's consistent with His nature as Savior. Well, another uh, name is Redeemer. Redeemer and and the question there is will this prayer lead to freedom I'll explain that now will this prayer to Christ our Redeemer will it lead to freedom? are you understanding what I mean by praying in a way that's consistent with his name or nature You're, you're praying in line with who Jesus is and what he's already doing that's what he's doing in the world right now is he's saving people so that prayer is in line with his name Redeemer the word redeem in the New Testament was a word that was used to describe transactions of slaves in the marketplace. So people would bring their slaves to sell them in the marketplace. And some people went to purchase slaves to make them their own slaves. But there were people that went to the marketplace to purchase slaves so that they could set them free. They didn't want them to have to be slaves anymore. And and so the the price that was paid for the slave was called the redemption price. Isn't that interesting? So people would go to the marketplace and they would redeem slaves by paying the price. And Jesus is a redeemer because he went to the cross and he paid the price with his blood that you couldn't pay. He paid to deliver you from sin that you had no money to pay for. He redeemed you. He paid the price so that you no longer had to be a slave. Amen? You were free. Free from sin, free from death, free from eternal punishment because Jesus paid the price. He's your your redeemer. So if you are praying for people to be set free from bondage, if you are praying for people to be set free from addictions, if you are praying for people to be released from Satan's influence and Satan's power, that's a prayer that Jesus answers because it's in line with who he is. He's a redeemer of mankind. He wants to set the captives free. So Colossians chapter one, verses 13 and 14 says God rescued us or delivered us as Christians from the the dominion or the authority of darkness, Satan and his dark powers, and brought us or, or, or transferred us into the kingdom of Jesus, the son that he loves. You've been rescued or delivered as a Christian from the authority and power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the son that he loves in whom we have what? What? Say it again. Redemption. 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 You've been redeemed by Christ. You've been set free from your slavery to sin and eternal death. He's given you new life in Christ. That's redemption. So if you are, if you are praying for people to be free, that's a prayer consistent with the name of Jesus. In fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse eight says this, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to break the bondage of Satan over people's lives. So if you are praying for people to be free from Satan so they can, they can see Christ and accept Christ, that's a prayer God answers. If you're praying for people be, to be delivered from Satan's influence and addiction and bondage, that's a prayer Jesus answered because he came to pay the price so that slaves could go free. The, the last name I wanna give you is, is Lord. And, and you, you see that throughout the whole New Testament. Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the question there is, um, will this prayer lead to surrender? Will this prayer lead to surrender? Because when Jesus calls us as disciples, he calls us to follow him. And that means to be like him. You see, in, in, in the first century, Jewish rabbis, when they called a disciple to follow them, or if a disciple came and wanted to follow a rabbi, the whole purpose was for the disciple to become exactly like the rabbi. The, the, the disciple emulated everything the rabbi did. The whole goal was to become like the rabbi. When Jesus calls disciples to follow him, he calls them to become like him, to follow him in every area of life. Luke nine twenty three, Jesus says this, if anyone, if anyone wishes to come after me, he has to deny himself. What does that mean, surrender? Anything in your heart that's keeping you from following Jesus and becoming like him, you have to lay it down. Deny yourself. Deny your flesh. Deny what you want to do for the sake of what God wants you to do in your life. He must deny himself and take up his cross. Be willing to die to sin. Be be willing to, to be crucified to sin and And not walk in sin anymore. That's what it means to follow Jesus. See, people think it's like, no, I get to heaven. Being a Christian means I get the ticket to heaven, the golden ticket, and then I live however I want. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you want to come after me, then you have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Become like me. And see, there's things in our life that that keep us from becoming like Jesus. Things in our life that we we have to surrender to him. So we come to the place of prayer, and it's like, yeah, Lord, you know, I want you to do all these things in my life, but, but Jesus said, wait a sec, there's something in there. there. There's something in there you're not surrendering. You're not denying yourself. Remember to pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I'll give you whatever you ask if you pray in my name. Part of that is praying consistent with his nature. He's the Lord. If you've committed to following Christ, he's the master of your life. You now follow him and emulate him and do everything to become like him. What's keeping you from becoming like Jesus right now? Maybe it's maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe someone has really hurt you. I mean, maybe someone has broken up your family. Maybe has someone someone has just really ruined your reputation or just done harsh things to you, abused you, and you're struggling with letting that go. You're struggling with forgiving them. And yet Jesus, the Bible says, as as we've been forgiven by Christ, we are to forgive others. So if if we wanna follow Jesus and make him the Lord of our life, that means doing what he did. And Jesus forgave those that abused him. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Maybe that's the area of surrender for you today. That if if you wanna keep following Jesus, you you gotta lay that down. Deny yourself, surrender that relationship to him which simply means that you're no longer going to try to punish that person. You're going to give them to God. God, you deal with them. You're going to deal with them better than I can. I'm going to move on in my life because the only one that's suffering because of your unforgiveness is, guess who? You. They don't care. You're the only one that's suffering because you're unwilling to forgive. So you come to the place of prayer and it's like, okay, if if you're my Lord, that means I've got to surrender. Are any of you like me, you just get in these funks for days of just selfishness selfish attitude crummy attitude you want to live for you you don't want to live for anybody else you're selfish with your husband or wife I am I just get into these modes of of, of selfishness and then you come to prayer like yeah God do all these great things in my life he's like wait a second how are you treating your family like I think you need to surrender that selfishness and begin to be humble and serve and care and be kind toward people John Orberg tells a story, John, John Orberg is a pastor in his book, The Me I Want to Be. He tells a story of, of one day his wife really called him out because he, he wasn't the, being the husband that he needed to be. And, and she called him out and he said, yeah, I, I know, I, 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 I haven't been. He said, but, but I've, I, 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 have to, I have these book deadlines, I'm, I'm preaching every weekend, I, I've got this emotional stress, I'm, I'm going through some hard times. And he said, you know, hon, I'm doing the best I can. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> he said, you know, normally when you tell somebody I'm doing the best I can, they're supposed to nod approvingly. He said, she didn't, she said, no, you're not. You've talked about getting a life coach. You, you've talked about getting counseling. You've talked about getting meaningful relationship with other men, you haven't done any of that. So don't, don't tell me you're, you're doing the best you can. You're not. And he said, so one of, my, one of my spiritual gifts is pouting. So for the next five days, I exercise that spiritual gift of pouting, maybe you have a similar spiritual gift and and as you come before the Lord, he, he reminds you that, you know what, praying in my name means surrender. It means laying down what's keeping you from becoming like me. What is that in your life this morning? If you were to pray in the name of Jesus and you were to pray in line with his the fact that he's the savior and the redeemer, that's a prayer that gets answered. And the other prayer that gets answered is a prayer of surrender. When you say, Jesus, I wanna become like you and I'm willing to deny myself, I'm willing to let this go so that you can change me and make me more of a disciple that reflects who you really are. That's a prayer he answers. As you think about praying in the name of Jesus, what, what does that mean for you now? Well, certainly we need to pray with authority. We need to pray with a, an understanding that Satan does not have control over our lives, that we are seated with Christ above all rule and authority. But it also means that you pray for the glory of Christ, not your own glory. Is there an area of prayer that you're praying, but it's really for your own secret agenda, for your own name and your own reputation, but not God's? Maybe you need to check that filter. And then are your prayers being prayed in line with who Christ is? Are they consistent with what he's doing in the world right now because of his nature and his calling? Maybe your prayers aren't being answered because you're not really praying in the name of Jesus even though you're putting the name of Jesus at the end of your prayer. Maybe Jesus meant something else than just saying the name. Would you stand with me this morning? Just close your eyes. Lord, we, we come to you this morning with, with humble hearts, and, and all of us, I think, Lord, can recognize there's, there's an area today that's keeping us from becoming more like you, an area that we need to lay down, an area that we need to surrender. Because, Lord, you, you called us to follow you. You called us to be like you. You called us to make you the Lord of our lives. Help us with that this week. Lord, help us to direct our prayers toward things that are gonna bring salvation to people, things that will deliver people. Help us to pray for those that are afflicted and bound so they can walk in freedom. Lord, help us this morning when we pray this week to, to pray with authority and confidence that Satan doesn't have control of our lives, you do. And we are seated with you in the heavenly places, far above his rule and power and authority. Lord, this week, help us to pray in the name of Jesus, according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As you leave this morning, if you have a prayer request that you wrote down on the communication card, you can drop that off in the box attached to any of the walls out there. Men, I want to challenge you to consider Disciples Made. There's there's a table out these center doors to the left. If you would go out there, they'll they'll answer your questions. We're going to have some folks up here that would be willing to pray for you. If you have a need this morning, just come on down before you leave. Get some prayer and then head out. And and as you you launch out this week, may may your prayers be offered in the authority and power of the name of Jesus. May, May you... Submit yourself to the glory of Christ in prayer. And may you surrender yourself to prayers that will make you more like Christ. Have a great weekend. God bless you.